Hello and welcome back to part two of this special double edition of The Conversation. My name's Graeme and I'm based in Manchester. And I'm Malika and I'm in Norwich. Well, Malika, so should we just get straight on with it? I mean, last time we talked um, very briefly about um, cultural racism and how it impacts society and the workplace. Uh, and we started to talk very briefly uh, about um, unconscious biases, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Towards the end of our interview with uh, our great guest, Adrian Mullins, we discussed a little bit about, about this idea of unconscious bias and uh, the examples that Adrian gave were very powerful. Uh, the idea that a, a group of young black people can some, somehow be perceived as threatening or mm. disturbing or disruptive. Uh, I, I find a, a group like that having fun just great and I look at them with a big smile um, and perhaps that's a bias I hold because I'm not fearful uh, but it's actually interesting to um, to explore that a bit deeper isn't it? Now I think Adrian's still on the on the line so should we welcome him back in? Yeah sure thing. Adrian are you here? Hi. Yeah I'm here thank you yeah. Hi <laughs> nice to see you again. Hi, yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> so earlier on, we were kind of like discussing when I was um, using my example of uh, being seen as an angry woman because I've got an opinion and really being a brown woman with an opinion is kind of like frowned upon. You can't have an opinion. And if you do and you say something, you're belligerent. I've been told I was belligerent and I was uh, angry What for holding an opinion and not taking some uh, rubbish from people. Really, what's that all about? Can you talk to us about unconscious bias and the things that you you may have experienced yourself, Adrian? Yeah, um, the funny thing about unconscious bias is I don't, I I I I, I struggle with that. It seems a bit of an oxymoron because how can you be biased and not know it? But then I, I would probably say ignorant bias more than unconscious. Um, but in terms of bias in itself, we have protected characteristics in the UK. We have the Equalities Act, and it's funny when we talk about. We, we, we talked about the equality, or we made reference to it earlier about the Equalities Act, but how many people actually know what's in it? And also like the Disabilities Act, how many people know what's in it? And how many people can actually name the protected characteristics? Race is one of them. Gender is another one. You know, um, mm -hmm. you know it's, it's there. So we have it. And also if we look at within education system, we have British values in inverted commas, which um, is supposed to be promoted and taught in schools and probably should be taught everywhere. I mean, I have a, you know, people can discuss, you know, why are they British and not just values and just core values, which everybody should have again, but that's for another discussion. But in terms of unconscious bias, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've been there. My, my general disposition, although perhaps my children might think otherwise, is that I'm, I'm generally quite positive and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not probably one of the first people to, to wear a smile. And then when I'm not doing that, or if I have an opinion that is different from others, which people sometimes have a problem with that, and it's almost like, well, oh, I didn't realize you were like that. And, and that's, they won't necessarily phrase it in that way. They won't necessarily say that word for word verbatim, but they'll phrase it in that way. Mm. And that for me is like, well, what's that supposed to mean? So if you speak up or if you, if you speak up, and I do speak up around things that matter to me, I do speak up if I believe something is, is not fair and unjust. Um, the you know the chip on your shoulder kind of reference comes out. Oh yeah. Or oh yeah. The behaviour <laughs> behavior that you know the, the look of shock and surprise and um, you know that kind of blame thing with you know or you know you get these things all the time. 
it's funny how people would often come and ask me because they think, oh, well, you're educated and you've, and you've made it. You know, why is it that there's so much black and black crime? Why do you think there's so many single fathers? Why do you think, and they're asking me as if I'm going to say, well, actually, yeah, that's right. There is too much black and black crime. There's crime on crime. And, you know, where there's an area where it's densely populated with black people and there's crime, there'll be black and black crime, just as there'll be that where there's densely populated with white people, there'll be white and white crime. But no one's going to scream that because if you look at the data, crime is crime. And it's, to me, it's not necessarily exclusive to a particular group. But that's where unconscious bias comes in because people believe what they're fed, unfortunately, even though we're in this information age and won't do the research themselves and do real research to actually go and find out the truth because it doesn't suit whatever narrative that they have in their head. I mean, I agree with both of you in terms of how people make assumptions about people. And we, we talk about unconscious bias, but in a way, it's also making stereotypes uh, about certain areas. So through my experiences, you know, people will make, because I am a gay man, or sometimes I can be quite flamboyant, people make assumptions about me in terms of the way I live my life or the way I can behave, as I behave in work or outside of work. And it's just, I'm so far away from a stereotype. It's, un, it's unreal. I mean, Malika, you know me better than, than most people. So it's a case of... It's like, like you said, Adrian, people make assumptions. So if you're like, so I've got, a, I think it's very similar to yours, Adrian, where, you know, you kind of, you behave in a way that's not to your norm, shall we say. So obviously at work, obviously I, I'm a line manager for people and obviously because I'm quite a fun, chappy, happy, chappy kind of, you know, just li living how it goes. But when you have to kind of take, bring someone in, actually have a, a, a conversation with them about, you know, you're doing something naughty or performance or whatever, my, my persona flips in terms of that and people go oh I didn't expect you to do that I'm like well why not but just because I'm a, ch a happy chappy doesn't mean I'm also not being able to hold my tone when I need to so Malika I think you know you talked about that people thought you were belligerent but I wouldn't think that in a million years I've seen an impassioned person about and they're impassioned about different ideas and different ways and how we should all live so yeah. it, it's, it's just very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And then, and then, obviously, they place these labels on you. And uh, the sheer, the sheer hypocrisy of it all is when it starts denying your um, your uh, your basic rights. When you start having uh, limitations and uh, your basic rights or basic right to be who you are is kind of like denied. And that's happened to me in many, many on many occasions in the workplace, for example. Uh, where I was attributed as uh, someone who's belligerent because I was challenging things that went right, you know, and you do, because like Adrian says, there's something that you see that is not right, you're going to speak up about it, and you are going to, to say you don't agree with it. Uh, but there are there are other other ways that unconscious bias has presented itself. You know, for example, if I start speaking, one day I was speaking and uh, I was told oh, um, that I, I do speak not in a posh way, but you know, just because I, I pride myself of being educated. I make no apologies for striving for excellence and not being looking at mediocrity as a parameter of who I want to be. And I look up, I don't look down. And that's been the sort of thing that's been said to me. And it's like, why? Because women like me can't, can't be like that. Uh, I mean, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to speak in a way that's going to suit your perception of who I am? And that's what we mean by unconscious bias. You know, uh, the stereotypes that people hold against group of pe groups of people and individuals with protected characteristics that are going to make them act in ways that are unfair and unjust 
and discriminate ultimately these groups of people. So as Adrian says, I agree with the unconscious. I think I think there is a, a, a big level of consciousness in that. Uh, I agree with you, Adrian. I agree that no one chooses to be ignorant all their lives. And especially now with the level of awareness uh, that we have in society with the many lived experiences and people speaking up about these experiences, I think it becomes somehow I believe a choice to remain ignorant to those things and to refuse to learn to change yourself because it's got to come from you. You've got to, you've got to change yourself. I know I had I had biases, mm. everyone does, but I've made the work on myself to change those and to become a better person. And and I I believe that personally things should be uh, the onus should be put on individuals perhaps to hold that responsibility a bit more i don't know whether that rings a bell with you folks but that this is where i'm at now no i completely agree well, with you and you know i mentioned earlier uh, in, the, in the first part of this uh, of this episode where with intersectionality and you know we we're all given a label and people focus on that one particular label but you know as you know we're all three of us were our commonalities the fact that we've been with the open university and obviously i've designed an intersectionality training course with the open university to kind of say well actually you know here is an outline of a you know we call it the gender bread uh and, and make some assumptions you know and that's how we deal with unconscious bias you know by opening up a conversation to say right you're making assumptions about this person we don't know anything about them and it's all on face value now adrian you know if let's bring you back in here in terms of obviously working in the education sector you know how how do you deal with intersectionality and kind of enabling people to explore themselves because you work in a high school if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah i work in a secondary school um i think it's the funny thing i not i don't funny weird or the funny thing i find in say for example many schools that i've worked in the young people generally are in schools are far more open to um, what people's backgrounds are than previously. Because I think when I went to school, I, I grew up in East London, and uh, when I went to school, just being any kind of different was a problem. Mm. It, it just really was, whatever you determine different to be, because um, that word in itself is a problem for me. But... Um, if you were not fitting into a category which the majority fitted into, there was a problem. Now, in the schools that I've worked in, amongst the students, apart from the moments where you have students who are just overtly prejudiced and have that because they're clearly getting it from home, it's, it's, it's um, you know, because you're not going to have, very unlikely you're going to have a 12, 13-year-old young person watching, I don't know, a certain news channel in, in America or whatever and, and get any information from there. But uh, you, it's, they are really open. I recall working at a school where a young person um, declared that they were transgender, um, changed their dress, their, their, how they dressed the next day, and the students did not bat an eyelid. They did not, they did not bat an eyelid. So I, I find generally that young people are as a whole, as a collective, seem to be far more open to diversity than their elders. And, that, and this I is think great the, news, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas, and that's, but the thing is, the a lot that is run the system. So um, that's where that where the issue lies. It's more those who may have been had a different experience in the, in their in their coming up than 
than what the young people have now. So you still get, of course, you get ignorance in young people. And we, you know, as a school, as someone who's worked in many schools, that's been dealt with, very, obviously, variably, variably depending on the adults. But generally, when I look at these things, it's the adults who have, have the biggest issue. And that's not all the teachers or all of it. But perhaps even those who write the policies or those who are really saying these are expectations and following through on the expectations of what we're supposed to have with the British values, with the protected characteristics and those making it very clear we do not tolerate this here and we and we will accept, you know, these things, then whatever that is, then when we get to that place, then things will be a lot better. But that's the issue. Yeah. And I'm not talking about things like the RSC curriculum or things like that, because I know there's been discussions, lots of discussion around the RSC curriculum and and what maybe culturally people aren't, may not be comfortable with within their belief system because people are allowed to opt out of that. But I'm just talking about generally in terms of young people being open and adults letting go of their biases in order for um society to work function at a lot better level absolutely i think you're right there you know we've seen on social media and in the media no one is born a bigot uh you basically yeah. you are taught these kind of values etc and behaviors and it's you know it's it is kind of up to educate educators to try and change people's opinions but i think you're completely right in terms of how young people's attitudes are changing i've seen that quite a lot in terms of you know you know when i think back when i was at school now that was you know 20 years ago you know, I was outed and I had an awful experience, but I see things now where people are coming out and it's the norm, you know, Malika, you were talking to me the other day about a, a student who came out as trans at school and it was completely welcomed. Now, which is great. And I, I can think of another example. Now, this is, it's, it's not the same scale, but it talks about equality where, you know, a school decided that um, female students couldn't wear trousers. And it was, it was like, what you have, we, have, we were forced to wear skirts um or it was one of those uh, skirts were part of the uniform so then there was a group of boys who said well we'll we'll wear skirts then and it just goes to show how the young people's minds are, are very much different and it's great to see that over the next few times and in generations society will change again won't it and it'd be in a much more open and understanding society would you as educators would you both agree to that Malika do you want to go first yeah 100% I agree 100% with what Adrian said as well you know that's precisely the reason why I mean I mean education because I know that's where that's where I can make a difference I can make that difference there you know in education passing on the knowledge I've got the expertise and and talking about the you know living breathing the British values you know as a person who's uh, who's who's become British, you know, I've embraced uh, Britishness and I've been in this country long enough that I did everything I needed to do to gain British citizenship, you know, including jumping through all the hoops and, and the cost of it. And, you know, I know British values, I embrace them, you know, I live and breathe them. And, and this is exactly what I want to, I want to see, you know, in society, as opposed to that proclaimed Britishness by those opposed to British values and who are a threat to British values, youngsters are very, very um, um, accepting of others. They are, you know, and as Adrian said, you know, like, like Adrian said, that example, people don't bat an eyelid. Who cares? They said, you know, you're, you, you, you're this way one day and, and you, you, you come out the next day because of who you are and you feel you can do it. They don't bat an eyelid, they don't care, they just don't care. They don't care about your colour, they don't care about your ethnicity, your accent. 
I've not been questioned once about my accent. Obviously, during the Brexit referendum in the Brexit voting enclaves, yes, I have, you know, I have been at the receiving end of all of that. But nowadays, youngsters just don't care. They don't bat an eyelid, you know. And actually, it's probably the uh, perceptions from their environments really that are um, making perhaps them acting the way that they are sometimes you know making the wrong choices is probably an environmental thing but once you educate a young person and you you show them the different things mm-hmm. you know, different sides of the argument you offer them balance they're able to make their own choices and hopefully the positive ones that we all want to see so i i agree entirely that youngsters is where it's at you know you, you've got a you know, you can't change. A bigot is always going to be a bigot. You know, let's face it. I'm done. I'm done trying to talk to bigots. I'm done. And I'm done trying to be the person on the other side, trying to so-called have a debate with bigots when actually all you, you are is just a token. You know, there's this tokenism that is also there where you wheel out a person of color you know, like myself or anybody and you just put them in front of a bigot and you make them justify their experience to the bigot i'm done with all of that that's not where i'm at anymore i, can, I think i can completely relate um malik and obviously i think there's still a lot of work to, to be done obviously from within from my own experiences obviously i do passionately attend pride events now i don't necessarily go to the celebration side of it in terms of like you know these the ticketed events or whatever but i definitely much very much take part in the praise because obviously that is a we enable our voice because there's still a lot of work to, to do and you know i when you talk about bigotry there you know i've seen in the parades where you have points where you know you have people out there and with their signs and you know we embrace that now i think it's absolutely hilarious if you ever see it on the news where you know you have this flamboyant lgbt person kind of next to a sign with it you know generally an anti-religious sign so it's quite interesting how there's still a lot way to do now adrian let's bring you back in in here in terms of like your experiences from educator but more focusedly like what can we do as a society if we're going to take some learning from this what could we do to kind of stop unconscious bias happening or enabling people to just think, stop and think? I think your answer is actually in the question because you're saying, <laughs> what can we learn? I think the, the whole thing is to learn. Mm. To stop unconscious bias, to stop any bias, you have to learn. You have to be prepared to learn. And that's that takes investment of time and and energy to do that. And the problem with, if we go back to the report that came out recently, that's kind of put things back because that's the firstly the the research was was flawed um the response from it shows that it was flawed and also when you put out things which are i in my mind counterproductive it doesn't help anything because you're essentially trying to sweep things under the carpet and the only way you can find things out is by investing time and energy to learn and you will not necessarily get that from the general media whether it's from a particular newspaper or another one because what you might be inclined to do is have something that's view. I, I'm I'm firmly of the belief that the majority of the media is owned by people who have who have strong biases. So therefore, how are you going to get information from them? But so what you have to do is do your independent research and go and find out. One thing I, I was very proud of, irrespective of how people try to, you know, to make a negative about the BLM protests last year, the the overwhelming majority of those were very peaceful. And when I think about where I live in Derby, my daughter went to the protest with her friends. And like I say, it was probably a 50-50 split, if not a bigger, in terms of there was more there was more white 
young people than there was young black people because there's more young white people in Derby than there is young black people. And that told that told me a lot because it, with, there were young people who were saying it is not it is not fair. And I think that's where the young people are more prepared to learn than the older people. And that's where people have to be prepared to learn and not just be dismissive of the of what is in front of them. Because the stats don't lie. And the real stats are, if we take, for example, in education, there is a disproportionate amount of people of colour who lead schools. Mm. That's not an accident. That's not because black teach people are lazy or, or whatever it is, whatever kind of thing you want to put in it or haven't got the level of education all of us in education have an education so <laughs> yes. let's, let's 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 just part that part that rubbish and and be open and actually listen and really listen not hear listen and listen in order to listen you have to be prepared to learn absolutely and i completely agree with what you're saying about the media as well because you know that is not your source i mean it, generally in society that is a source of information i think we've learned over the past 12 months what to kind of read into news do you make your own research but as you mentioned you know media is aligned to certain things you know all the british media aligned to a political party in a sort of the way they present um acknowledge political views etc that's what i found that quite interesting i mean i was aware of it but i really kind of looked into it over the past few months and kind of go oh my gosh actually yeah, if you read it you can that does sound very left wing or that does sound very right right wing and it's quite interesting really um and i think again learning is right you know it's just about taking that concept and looking at yourself uh, and blm last year i think really highlighted that uh, in terms of how people took that into approach and you know we've seen that again uh, most recently um you know in bristol is it's, you know the, with the the policing bill that's been presented it's just like society does have a voice and they will use that voice uh, and the fact people are trying to stop that voice from happening will even demonstrate even further um, about you know again back going back to those British vows and saying that we, we do have that right etc I think what we need to we're gonna I think we're gonna bring that to a, a, a conclusion there and I think I really just want to say thank you to to Adrian for giving up his time um the past hour or so just having that conversation with it's really I always love talking to you the whole three times that I've speak, spoken to you I, I learn quite a lot but I think you know it's an opportunity for me and Malika to kind of reflect on uh, on the first season isn't it Yes, yes, 100%. And again, Adrian, um, huge thanks for coming on. And I know it takes a lot of guts to come on and discuss, you know, the issues in education, because often as a fellow educator, you know, person in education, I know that a lot of things are taboo. You know, you're not meant to be saying certain things, because if you do, it ultimately it will tank your career and it can hijack your, your prospects. And so kudos to you for coming on to talk about this, because I know, I know it's not easy to do that. Um, and and I, I do have to say, you know, and as we all said, uh, that this will encourage people to to learn more and to to learn that we by standing together, united we're stronger. And and at the moment there is too much of that division that takes place, and we need to learn that actually we all are united, and we should. We should look at each other and connect those dots. I always go back to my connecting the dots analogy, which is one I've been using every single episode, because I really feel that we've been isolated dots, really divided. Um, and, and, and we need to, to turn that tide. And only by having these conversations will we all learn from one another and, and move forward. And I would finish perhaps with one um, note and pass on to you, Adrian, for the final word today, really, um, is that obviously we, we have, um, celebrated the anniversary of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, you know 
I always have this in my head, you know, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can. And that's that's the thing that keeps me going, you know, be that light and continue to be that light. And I thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I agree. You, you can't drive darkness with darkness. It has to be of light. And also, um, thinking about within education, there are a lot, a whole heap of people within education who are really passionate around, around this matter and around equity and fairness. And to those, I, I say thank you. And the, the other thing is, is, you know, as educators, as much as it's our job to, to educate young people, it's also our job to be learners as well. And as long as we're prepared to be learners, then the only way that, you know, the only thing that can happen is that it benefits the students. And sometimes people forget that's what we're in it for. And, um, you know, making sure that we have the right people in the right place to make sure that happens without any bias. So Malika, um, wow, that was a really, really, insightful conversation we've had for the past uh, about, about, about an hour with Adrian haven't we yeah really really powerful um yeah I'm kind of like hoping that uh people will watch it without prejudice and people will yeah. actually try and take forward some of the things that have been said you know about learning learning to do the work on yourself and and understanding really that um yeah we 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 can't afford to be divided more than we already are anymore absolutely not and I think it's been really useful you know because this is the end of our first season isn't it as well yes it is and uh, and I think that was such a powerful note to end on don't you because yeah um for this this season we talked about so much didn't we we covered mental health we covered covered uh, covid yeah. uh, we covered uh, HIV which was really really powerful again we yeah. had so many powerful guests on and and I'm really grateful to all of them for coming on to share Absolutely. their experiences with us you know I do thank actually you know a lot you know as we said at the very beginning you know you know we we set out to make eight episodes and now we've done 11 you know, and it's been really useful, you know, we must thank all our friends, like you've just said, you know, to support us in this first season, because, you know, Adrian spoke about before that it's all about learning. And actually, we've done something that we've wanted to do, and we've had to learn. Um, and then we keep, you know, we keep saying to ourselves and in the introductions that I'm in Manchester, you're in Norwich. And it's really, I think it's really powerful when we say that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because even though we are distant, uh, we are very proximate. There you go, there's my degree joined there again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some we, of my we finally used our qualification, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it's true. We are very close, and we can be very close despite yeah. the distance. And and this is what it's all about, really. These human connections, isn't it? And we've learned, we've learned to be. For me, this journey has been about perhaps laying myself bare more than I wanted to at times. Yeah. Um, and it's not an easy thing to do, you know, when you've kind of like um, learned to. Um, to perhaps hide away at times does that yes. make sense and now yeah. I'm all out here in the open doing this with you but that's the beauty of it is that you've been able to to that friendship I've got with you is so strong that I'm able to do that and that's perhaps yeah. learning there part of me that is learning to trust perhaps my friends uh, yeah. that I've got and knowing who they are and I thank you for that for I thank you for being a part of this journey as well. I mean, we, I think we talked in episode one, we haven't seen each other since 2018, but it, the power of social media and networking, the fact that in virtual worlds, the fact that we've been able to keep in touch, we've always wanted to do this project. And actually now, you know, with a little support from Sarah, we've been able to just force ourselves to do it. And actually I feel really rewarded and adjusted 
the fact that we've done it because I've learned so much and you know we have the conversations in between you know to get them set up and you know we get worried about kind of oh are we doing the right thing and actually as well you know we both said if no one listens to this or watches this it's like well it's, it's our platform to get out and we, you know we do hope people are engaging but it's our way of actually talking about issues that impact us as humans and how we could potentially support the wider society to kind of make change themselves is that would you would you agree that what we're, that's what we're doing what, 100%. What we've done? yes i i agree 100 percent. i think uh i think yeah you summarized it really well here i think that having this platform where people are safe also to speak about it you know because mm. i i i wouldn't necessarily and you know i've done my fair share of speaking on public platforms yeah. and i don't feel safe doing that anymore yeah. i do no, not I feel agree. safe doing that anymore and this is a platform for us where we are providing that safe opportunity for these conversations that are important to us to take place and and i agree 100 percent with what you said and i really thank you for being on on that journey with me Absolutely. And pushing me a little bit along the way as well. Definitely. I don't think I could have done this with anyone else but you, Malika, from being completely honest. So thank you oh. for being part of this journey. Now, we obviously, we are going to wrap this thing. We're going to wrap this thing. We're going to wrap things up uh, very shortly. Now, we have alluded um, to season two um, in some, some of the episodes. Now, you know, people are asking or wondering when they're going to be out. Now, you know, Malika has said we're not too sure. We're, we're hopefully going to aim um, towards the end of the summer because obviously, you know, as Malika, as, sorry, as everyone knows, Malika is a teacher. Um, so that hopefully will give um, some time for us to do some recordings. But things are just as busy for myself, for me as well. So, you know, we're going to say for now, this has been uh, the conversation. Uh, thank you for listening to us so far. And we hope you will listen to us again in the very near future. Indeed. Thank you very much for being part of this journey with us. And I hope you, you learned something. I hope it's been positive for you and productive. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.